0: My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise. And do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. The end is near. That was one of the headlines that was trending back in January, which was quite a pleasant way to enter the new year and the new decade. The story explained how what is called the doomsday clock had been updated to the latest calculation, according to a group of atomic scientists who now said that it was 100 seconds till midnight. And what's midnight? The end of humanity. Happy New Year. When I first saw the story, I thought maybe it was just clickbait, an outrageous, hysterical headline designed just to get people to click on the story. And then I saw it was being reported by the New York Times and CNN. I still thought it was clickbait, but I figured I should probably at least check it out. And when I saw the image of the doomsday clock, it looked kind of familiar, and I thought to myself, haven't I seen or heard the story before? And I had, as have my parents and my grandparents. It turns out this clock has been around since 1947. It originated by some of the the scientists who had helped create the atomic bomb. And after the bombings in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they were observing all the different crises and potential power struggles that were popping up all around the world. And at that point, had pegged the time of seven minutes till midnight. This past January's update was considered historic in that they decided to express how perilous everything is by putting it in seconds rather than minutes. Last time it was updated, it was two minutes, and before that was two and a half, and then three minutes back in 2016. Rachel Bronson, the president and CEO of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, proclaimed, It's 100 seconds to midnight. We are now expressing how close the world is to catastrophe in seconds, not hours or even minutes. It's the closest to doomsday we've ever been in the history of the doomsday clock. We now face a true emergency, an absolute unacceptable state of world affairs that has eliminated any margin for error or further delay. If you missed that news or forgot about it by now, no doubt you've had your share of panic and fear and hysteria that all have similar messages about the end coming. If it's not nuclear war, then it's a viral pandemic. Remember back in October, we were told this was gonna be the worst, most dangerous and the earliest flu season in history and we better get our flu shot. If it's not a viral pandemic, then something weather related is gonna happen. Back in November, we were warned, this was gonna be the, the coldest and snowiest winters of wet record in recent memory. I'm not trying to be dismissive of serious matters because, yes, we do need to be attentive and prepared. And while the world would mock the suggestion, I think we really need to pray when we're faced with these different challenges. So we need to take reasonable precautions. And so, yes, I got my flu shot. I've been using hand sanitizer so much. I had a student ask me why Jesus tastes like aloe vera after giving communion out this past week. But I can't help but notice and wonder how many people are allowing themselves to give into despair and anxiety and depression by listening to all these voices speaking words of fear, words of panic, words of death and destruction. Last week, another student at one of our campuses said maybe the university was gonna cancel the rest of the academic semester because of the current fears of the coronavirus. I'm thinking they're wishful, thinking that they haven't had any snow days this past year and they're frustrated, so, but we shall see. Fear and hysteria seem to be the most contagious thing right now. The point is, we all receive an avalanche of negative news on a pretty regular basis. And the reaction that we see from the somewhat common overreactions like people buying out toilet paper at Costco To the ridiculous, like people afraid of drinking a Corona beer, demonstrate how these voices are causing people to act irrationally. People are losing their heads, and worse yet, their vision of who they are and whose they are. Today's scriptures, particularly the the first reading from Genesis and the Gospel, are providential for us to hear They're simple but very necessary reminders of listening to God. Not ignoring the common sense precautions, but not letting that distract us from paying attention to his direction for everything in our lives. Not letting the fears, real or imagined or manufactured, to take root in us, but rather allowing him to speak his blessings over us. In the first reading, we hear the beginning of the story of Abraham, our great father in faith, when he was still Abram and first received his call from God. And then in the Gospel, we hear St. Matthew's account of Jesus' transfiguration. For both Abraham and Jesus, when these events were happening, things were less than ideal in the world around them. There was more than enough news to depress and to lead their people into despair in their own lives, just as it was doing for everyone else. Abram was 75 years old, childless, and seemingly hopeless of having a legacy for himself and his wife, and living in a world that post-Eden, post-Adam and Eve, had become very lonely wilderness of disobedience. The people had experienced widespread loss, and alienation. And Jesus, right before the Transfiguration, had just told his closest friends what was awaiting him in Jerusalem. The shame, the horror of the passion, and the cross, and his death. This coming from Jesus, the one who had been their only hope as Jews, who were sickened and scandalized by how unfaithful their religious leaders had become, as for the other part, for all intents and purposes, they had now been enslaved by the Romans. Here, God's chosen people, whose greatest of miracles had been that we were freed from slavery from Egypt in the Exodus, now, because of their unfaithfulness, were once again in a very perilous situation. And because the Jewish leaders were so corrupt, their hopes had been weaning. Jesus had reignited them to remember God's promise. To never abandon them. Their dreams of his being the Messiah had reawakened those promises and now he's preparing them for some earth-shattering news and talking about the cross. But look at what happens in both of those cases. God is faithful. God is loving. God speaks out inviting people to listen to him. First to Abraham. Abraham, calling him to obey, calling him to trust in the Lord. And if he does, the seemingly impossible is made spectacularly real in a way that surpasses Abraham's greatest and grandest of hopes. First, the childless couple will see Abraham not just become a biological father, but the father to countless nations. His obedience will begin to restore the chaos that disobedience and sin had unleashed. They will have a new identity. No longer will they be seen as lost and faithless. No, they will be called a great nation who are blessed by God, all by Abraham's decision to heed God's invitation to listen to him. In the gospel, the Father's voice once again invites people to listen to him in an even more historic way that will move the world further away from sin and scandal and more towards God's vision of being fully restored and fulfilled. Peter, James, and John, who are overwhelmed with both excitement and panic at all the sights and sounds on that mountaintop with this transfiguration, they're told, as are we, that in listening to Jesus, who the Father calls his beloved son, We find a greater dignity than Abraham and our ancestors could have ever imagined. More than just being a great nation in obedience to Christ, we too are beloved sons and daughters of a loving father. We receive the fullness of the promises and the blessings that were first made to Abraham. That didn't change the present situations that either one of these groups of people faced in the short term. Abraham and the apostles will still have to move forward. And for the most part, they won't know where they're going. And yes, they're going to encounter dangers and pain and fear. That's going to always tempt them back into despair or to worry. Tempt them to listen to other voices, wanting them to obsess about those realities rather than the promises of God. But ultimately, they found themselves choosing to remember those encounters, to recall his voice and choose to listen to him. And it was that obedience and that faithfulness that enables them not only to face whatever temporal reality that they were struggling with, but even more to see God's promises fulfilled in a way never seen before. And the same remains true for us today. Last Sunday, Jesus reminded us that Satan is constantly looking to tempt us in countless ways, all with the aim of turning our attention away from God and forgetting his presence and his action among us. And if we're honest, we can probably all write books on how many ways the devil tempts us to do just that whether it's in our personal lives or even just by paying attention to every one of our modern devices that keeps transmitting words of fear and panic, which, thanks be to God, constantly prove to be consistently overblown. St. Padre Pio famously said, Pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful and will hear your prayers. On this second Sunday of Lent, God invites us to do just that. Listen to him promising to be our comforter, our healer, our redeemer. Listen to him calling us not to pitch our tents in the wilderness, but to follow his directions to the promised land, citizens of his great nation. Listen to him. Remind us Jesus is his beloved son. And by our listening and following him, We too are beloved sons and daughters of a father who promises that whatever doomsday prediction promising the end that we face, we have nothing to fear, knowing that he has never and will never abandon us.